If aliens exist, the first human song they hear will probably be... That's because, in 1977, NASA launched the Voyager 1 and 2 probes, which are now traveling over 30,000 miles per hour through interstellar space. Before they launched, Carl Sagan and a team of scientists created two golden records for the probes to carry. Each record contains analog images, greetings in 55 languages, various earthly sounds, and an hour and a half of human music from across the world. The first song on the record, and the one I just played, is Brandenburg Concerto No. 2 by Bach, but the record contains music from this, to this, to this. That last song is Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, also known as the Symphony of Destiny, and it is tied to one of the most important events in human history, the Allied victory in World War II. In 1941, the Allies adopted the letter V for victory as the symbol of their cause. People in Nazi-occupied territories began graffitiing Vs all over the place to remind the Nazis that the people hadn't given up hope. Winston Churchill and others famously held up two fingers to make the V for victory sign, which turned into the peace sign 20 years after the war. In Morse code, V is dot 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 dash, or short 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 long, which sounds like this. Does that sound familiar at all? It certainly did to the folks at BBC Radio, because they listened to the short 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 long pattern and heard... So during the war, the BBC began all of their broadcasts to occupied Europe by playing the opening notes to Beethoven's Fifth. Coincidentally enough, symphony numbers are usually written using Roman numerals, and the Roman numeral for five is V, so Beethoven's Fifth Symphony is written as Symphony V. Those four notes show up throughout the so-called Symphony of Destiny, and, since a motif is a repeated idea in writing or music, those notes have become known as the fate motif. This had the added meaning of telling the Nazis that their fate was to be defeated by the Allies. Well, these four notes are incredibly significant, they are still less important than which signify death and the end of the world. During the Middle Ages, monks would sing songs in Latin known as Gregorian chants. 
One of these chants was called Diasire, Latin for the Day of Wrath, also known as Judgment Day. After being used for centuries, the Catholic Church removed the song from the funeral mass in 1970 because it was just too full of fear and despair. The song goes a little something like this. But it's those first four notes that are really important. Here they are on their own. Those notes have become shorthand for death, both in classical and modern composing, especially in movie soundtracks. Since these notes represent death, you'd obviously expect to find them in horror movies. Just take a listen to the first five seconds of The Shining. Stanley Kubrick certainly knew how to make a scary movie. But it's not just in horror movies. Let's take a look at a kid's movie like The Lion King. When Scar tells the hyenas to attack Simba, you hear... Kill him. It's even in one of the 20th century's most iconic movies, Star Wars. When Luke finds the charred bodies of his aunt and uncle, the music starts out all Star Wars-y, then goes Diasire. Those four notes have been used so often in frightening contexts that people unconsciously associate them with death. In classical music, Diasire has been used by the likes of Mozart, Verdi, Berlioz, Shostakovich, and Liszt. Dmitri Shostakovich wrote a song called The Dance of Death, which lasts less than a minute and uses the notes of Diasire not once, but twice. They come quickly, but if you listen close, you can hear them. It's pretty easy to miss. Here they are again. Franz Liszt also wrote a piece based on Diasire, and he called his piece Totentanz, which is just German for the dance of death. Totentanz starts out with Diasire, then spends 15 minutes mostly exploring variations on the song. Here's the beginning. And here, Diasire shows up again within the final minute of the piece. Listen for the crescendo. Liszt also uses the fate motif from Beethoven's Fifth Symphony to signify the inevitability of death. Listen for the short, 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 long. With works like Totentanz, Liszt became the world's first musical superstar. Music icons have long inspired crazed behavior in their fans with songs like... And before that, this... And before that, this... 
That last song was Hungarian Rhapsody No. 2 by Liszt, and it caused as much fan frenzy as anything by the Beatles or One Direction. Women both noble and common would throw themselves at Liszt's feet, scream when he entered a room, toss their clothes onto his stage, fight each other over objects he had touched, and place his discarded cigar butts in their cleavage. Sometimes a cigar is not just a cigar. This phenomenon was given the name Listomania. Liszt was also not shy about accepting some of these women's advances. Though he came from relatively humble origins, Liszt had an extended affair with a French countess, and one of their daughters went on to marry Richard Wagner, the composer of The Ring Cycle. Liszt's performances were also surprisingly similar to those of modern rock stars. He showed off by playing from memory in a time when that was considered arrogant. He walked on stage from the wings to thunderous applause when most musicians just began at their instruments. He tossed his shoulder-length hair around when he played in a time when that was simply not done. But Liszt was not all just show. He is regarded as perhaps the greatest pianist who has ever lived, and he was an equally great composer. He transformed the way music was played and written in ways that can still be seen today. One of Liszt's most interesting innovations is the tone poem. Liszt would take a poem and write a song inspired by its contents. Later composers wrote songs based on everything from paintings to novels, but Liszt was the first. Ask yourself, what does a painting of a gnome sound like? Well, Modest Mazurgsky would say it sounded like this. And ask yourself, what does the book Also Sprach Zarathustra by Friedrich Nietzsche sound like? Well, Richard Strauss would say that the book sounds like this. That's the opening tune to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Stanley Kubrick certainly seemed to be a fan of classical music. Next episode, we'll talk about one of Liszt's close friends, Camille Saint-Saëns, and his most famous tone poem, The Danse Macabre. All of that and more in part two of Dancing with Death. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next time for more Echoes in Eternity.